Welcome to Think Peace, the podcast for founders, creators, coaches, and curious minds building the future of online business. I'm your host, Sarah M. Chapel. It's time to think deeper. Hello, hello, Sarah M. Chapel here. Welcome back to the Think Peace podcast. Today, we're going to be looking at what I am calling the, the slow decline, the long tail end of social media and what's working and what's not this year. For those of us in the online business space, in the knowledge and creativity driven business space to find new customers. So I'm recording this a couple days after Instagram announced the launch of Threads, their quote, Twitter killer, uh, which is in classic meta slash Facebook fashion, um, just a ripoff of an app that already existed, Twitter, and has been pushed out as an add-on app to Instagram, giving people kind of instant access to a platform, but on a new app with a different experience in Instagram. I'm not gonna go super in depth into threads today because I wrote a whole like first look analysis of threads for my newsletter, Think Peace. If you are not subscribed already, please go to Think peace.fyi. That will take you right to where you can read all the past newsletters and also sign up to get it in your inbox. As I'm going to talk about today, I'm pretty pessimistic about social media. That won't really surprise you if you've listened to me or read me at all in the past ever. Um, But newsletters remain a really key part of a healthy online business ecosystem. And if you're not reading mine, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Um, Please come and join us. And that way you will get both the podcast releases and the newsletter to your inbox each week. And yeah, come on over. That's also the best place to get my more kind of deeper analysis and less kind of ranty, rambling thoughts. Um, There's some upcoming essays about um, kind of deep dives into the concept of ethical business and why I hate that phrase and how I think it's just aesthetics and it drives me nuts, (laughs) Uh, but a kind of a deeper dive into the morality of business and business practices and some other things I'm working on. So go over to thinkpeace.fyi to get on the mailing list. And you can also there read my deeper dive into threads that places it within the kind of Twitter apocalypse context that we've been in. And I talk about this idea of the long tail death of social media. I really started discussing this when Elon Musk bought Twitter last fall because there was this huge uproar over on Twitter, of course, about the death of Twitter, the death that has been a long tail. It is still very active. It is still fairly usable despite all of the problems. And it is still kind of fun. (laughs) Uh, Twitter has a certain taste, a certain flavor, a certain feel that frankly, Elon Musk is kind of a product of, right? He, He emerged through the morass of Twitter and it's still going. Whether or not threads will actually kill Twitter, I don't know, I kind of doubt it. Um, Instagram being such a different platform and such a different audience and a different kind of curation than Twitter. So pushing Instagram users to threads is not gonna replicate the Twitter experience. But this idea of the long tail death of social media is really critical because first of all, it's been going on for a while, but definitely it feels a bit accelerated post 2020 with the right sizing of the online business space after a lot of folks saw really big growth in 2020 due to people not being able to go outside, right? Um, Things like lockdowns or just 
fewer events happening, people being home more, working from home. 2020 saw a really big boost in online business sales and in people starting businesses. Um, a lot of folks were laid off. A lot of folks were out of work and did start businesses, especially online. And what that meant was that there was a really booming ecosystem, especially for people like me who work in B2B. Uh, the 2020 was not our best year by any means, but it was it was a good it was a good year for for my business after the initial kind of shakeup um, and kind of initial confusion of COVID. And people then were really surprised in 2021 and especially in 2022 when those numbers dipped. A lot of folks were planning for the growth trajectory to come off of 2020 instead of maybe looking back to 2018, 2019 as a more stable indicator of what growth would look like online in a more normal year. This matters because we got kind of an artificial boost that really delayed the decay of the social media platforms and the advertising platforms that are largely uh, pushing the growth of online business. And anyone who's been around for a minute online knows that those things have changed a lot. Now, there's always been a tension between the people who are making money online and the platforms that are extracting value from you trying to make money online. Uh, I'm kind of working on a current theory where I really just don't think online business owners are classic business owners at all and that we don't actually own anything. <laughs> um, everything we do is facilitated by other softwares and a lot of those softwares own very little themselves. Ultimately, they're all on Amazon servers. So you do not own a storefront. You do not own stuff. <laughs> you, you don't have an office. You probably own a laptop, right? And while that creates a certain amount of freedom, it means that we are extremely extremely susceptible to the whims of our corporate overlords, much more like workers than uh, business owners or founders in a lot of ways. So when we see something, for example, like ad costs go up due to, well, all sorts of fantastic things happening, but um, specifically, like I've talked about before, the release of iOS 14 on Apple um, last year, I believe, really messed with Facebook's algorithm and ability to track you on your phone, which meant that their ads became less effective and thus costs went up to reach the right people. Now, what, what does any of this really mean, right? You're like, okay, so Elon Musk bought Twitter. We all know that Facebook ads kind of suck. We all know that. What is actually coming down the pipeline? I think that, oh, additionally, I should say, right, SEO, search engine optimization, you know, these are kind of the three, the three prongs of online business from, I guess, probably, you know, the, the 20 teens through now, our, our digital ads, our uh, social media, and then search, right, SEO. Search engine optimization has become you know, uh, I've never been super into it <laughs> because it's trying to game a system that doesn't want to be gamed. And the algorithms are so smart that it's very hard to overcome the inertia of the system on some level, but also there's just so many different people competing for those top slots that I've never found it super effective. It doesn't mean not to do it, but I haven't found it super effective. That said, right, these so-called AI models, these large language models um, are starting to be integrated into search. 
which is already disrupting search in things like Bing, which is Microsoft search engine, things like Google search. And that's going to be bigger and bigger issue. The, the goal of those tools, at least at this juncture, is to create AI generated responses to your searches so you don't actually go and look at other web pages, right? They're scraping web pages and producing a result instead of um, telling you which is the best ranked web page, they're just going to take the content from the web pages and repackage it in a language that specifically answers your question. So ad costs are up, um, be primarily due to the neutered data collection. It's also worth noting that uh, Google is having multiple antitrust suits against it for its ad platform. The U.S. is suing it now as well. So Google ads are likely to, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but there, that antitrust suit is gonna be really interesting in the US. Search, SEO is kind of been middling for a while. Everyone is trying to do it. Hacking SEO is like a full-time job for people. There's huge amounts of competition and AI is gonna disrupt that or so-called AI. And then social media, right? These, uh, these things are, are, uh, <laughs> are kind of decaying in some way. Algorithmic changes obviously continue to trip up even the best social media users, but there's also more promotion than eyeballs, right? There are more people promoting stuff. There are more ads than people actually generating content at this point, which makes them less effective than in the past, right? People don't use social media for social media. Social media is almost exclusively business and um, threads is gonna be the same, right? The, all right, I guess I'll say a brief threads thing. Y'all have fun, enjoy threads. Like there's no reason not to have fun. I'm enjoying threads because I really like Twitter. I like writing stupid shit on the internet. And that is way more my style than like crafting like beautiful Instagram captions that like take you on a journey or whatever, which I've done for years and I just don't have the energy for anymore. So I like threads, but the idea that threads is going to like be some magic internet universe where all of our needs are met is, is, is insane y'all. Um, enjoy it, but do not expect anything from this platform. It is all, people are already monetizing it. People are already writing how to use threads. People are already working on their little, their little courses on how to use threads, very clubhouse really. And really critically here on the Threads front is that they are gonna to try to monetize it at some point. So right now Threads doesn't have ads. Um, Adam Masseri, who's the head of Instagram was like, oh, we're not even thinking about that. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, fuck you, right? Of course you are. But Zuckerberg did say that they are basically trying to get to a billion users. And once they see the road to a billion users, then they'll worry about monetization. Last number I saw, I think was 30, 30 million people had downloaded Threads in like, a little over 24 hours, they're, they're heading there, right? Towards a billion. There are billions of users on Meta's platform anyway. So there might be a, a moment before Threads gets monetized, but this is, the, this is Meta's DNA. Meta is a terrible fucking company. And there's no, there's no reason to believe that the incentives of this platform are gonna be any different than any of the other social media platforms. And this idea that out of these same platforms and these same companies, something truly innovative can emerge is fallacious. It's not possible. The, the DNA that's being you know, recombinated as being uh, morphed into this new thing is bad, right? And it's bad. So have fun, enjoy it, but Threads is not going to save your business. So, all of these things we're talking about 
are working to some degree, and that's what this long tail concept is, right? None of them are dead right now. You are still able to run an online business largely in the ways that you have been for the past five, seven, 10 years but their efficacy is degrading, right? And that's causing a lot of panic for online businesses inside of my program, Think Tank. This is part of what we're working on is kind of looking at what is working, what's not, and trying to kind of crowdsource and brainstorm ways to take advantage of what we can now, but start to prepare for the future. And, you know, it's really popular at the moment, I think, to kind of opt out of social media. I don't see it as much as I have maybe in the past for the reason I'm about to say. Um, but you know, that is, is a stand that people like to say, but here's the deal. It's really hard, right? Just not participating and making that the market differentiator for your business is, is hard. It's hard to differentiate yourself based on a negation. And some businesses have an easier time leaving social media or not using ads than others. Um, many folks who I've seen successfully leave social media um, are people who run service-based businesses that support business owners who are still on social media, right? Um, as well as leveraging the social media audiences of others. And it's fine, but it's important to note that those businesses are still, even if they're one extra degree removed, dependent on social media. You can't serve business owners who use social media to get clients and not be impacted if social media is working less effectively. It's important to note the level of infection that social media has in the online business space. It's just why it's hard to unwind yourself. And I, I don't mean this from like an ethical standpoint. I don't, I mean, I care, but I also don't care, like do what you need to do. But the, the idea that you can somehow be purified from social media and still run a business in this day and age is really challenging. Of course, you know, there are um, brick and mortar businesses, businesses with foot traffic, kind of very classic businesses that don't need social media, though a lot of them use them. But basically, if you serve customers who use social media to get their customers, then you're also reliant on it, right? You know, you've opted out personally, but your business isn't free. And, you know, this, this piece of recognizing the level of infiltration is, is really critical because it's very hard for us to um, operate within this space and critique it in the same time because the incentives are to continue to say that this is working or it's working for me or it's working enough for me to stay. So for example, as, as a strategist, as a coach, I would probably not recommend not using social media at this point. I just don't think I can in good contents recommend that to a business. But I also think that it's kind of bullshit. And honestly, if I could leave, I would. Like, I, I'm very over it. Um, this is also just a little ranty of me, but I think that being mindful of the kind of like desire for this kind of like moral high ground by not participating in social media, even if you have a client base that's fully like dependent on it, just again, like there's not a, there's not a cleanliness here. There's no purity online. It doesn't exist. You are touching, you are touching so many terrible things and, um, you're not going to like be if you feel better not using social media, that's going to be on a personal level, not on some moral level. And I have clients who don't use social media and I think that's fantastic. Like I'm very happy for them and I'm, I'm super fucking jealous. So what then, right? Social media is not really working. Ad costs are super high and less effective and honestly, just like boring. Oh my God. Just the ads I see are so boring. We don't, 
there's, I think the people who they're still working probably best for consumer goods, but I think B2B in particular ads are a lot less effective than they used to be. So it's like, you know, instead of saying, okay, this sucks, this sucks, instead of opting out, uh, as being the only option, then what can we opt into, right? What strategies are actually working right now? And this is where I think things can be a little bit exciting. The, the ultimate takeaway from this, if you want to just kind of skip to the end in your mind is that, uh, <laughs> is that honestly, like in order to move kind of through past beyond dependence on social media is to go back, right? Is to go back to what we did before social media or in the very early days of social media, you used to not be able to run ads. You used to not be able to easily have large audiences. There was a time when not everybody used these things. I know I'm old. Um, so the really classic strategy for growing a business that doesn't have foot traffic, right? If you're not brick and mortar is networking. It is alas, actually talking to people. You know, probably a lot of you are already shifting your focus here, right? You're trying to take those relationships that you've built on social media and make them stronger, create your own connections, creating your own little mastermind groups or other kind of like business cohorts where you're able to support each other in this way. Um, I think the biggest challenge in this method really is the total addressable market, right? The gift of social media is largely in its numbers, millions, if not billions of people who can be directly targeted. Networking can happen at scale to some extent. You know, for example, you could offer a training to a large organization and get access to their audience, but those groups are always smaller than the promise of social media and online ads. And I've talked about this before. I wrote an essay earlier this year about the cost of online courses and other online education going up. And part of it has to do with the, I think, I think very likely to come decreased access to such wide numbers of people. Um, you having a business model that depends on having thousands and thousands and thousands of customers to make enough money to run is something that you can only do as a small business if you have social media and ads online right? That business model is dependent on that kind of access to an addressable market. For example, you know, I often see clients talk about, you know, having very low cost offers, which I think is fine, but we have to be mindful of how many people you're actually able to reach and how much money you need to make from that offer. If your offer is $10 and your to your total addressable market is a hundred people, right? You're, you're going to be really limited in how much revenue you can make from that. So networking can help to increase that, increase the reach, but it's not going to give us the scale of access. The second thing that I think is really working right now and is such a fantastic place to kind of, uh, dig in is referrals. Obviously referrals build on networking and personal connection. Um, referrals are best when we need fewer customers, right? It's hard again, to build a product that needs thousands of active customers on referrals alone, though, you know, I had a lot of success using an affiliate program, uh, strategy with holistic business Academy. And I do think that, you know, that's something that we'll continue doing and continue teaching. Cause I think it's a really fantastic way to leverage existing audiences. And that's honestly, if everyone has these social media audiences and they're able to kind of capture them through newsletters or, or whatever, then affiliate partnerships is probably one of the best ways to continue to have this wider reach. That said, it's never quite as effective as I would hope for the amount of effort it takes, but we have had many, many, many of our customers over the years come through affiliate programs that we've run with clients and friends and colleagues. 
Um, I also think this is where newer networked referral communities like Substack, uh, which here's my, I don't like Substack. I wrote an essay about that. Um, and ConvertKit's new creator network will continue to shine. So these are passive referrals mechanisms that mimic personal referrals. They remind me of blog roles, right? If you uh, are old enough to remember blogs, people used to post on the side of their blog, a list of kind of like links to other blogs that they liked. And that was one of the ways you navigated the internet was just by going through people's blog roles and seeing what else you liked. Um, ConvertKit is already moving to monetize this, letting people charge for referrals, um, which I think is really interesting. It's not something I'm playing around with personally yet. Um, Substack, of course, charges you a lot of money, which <laughs> uh, is my primary thing I don't like about it, um, in order to have access to this networked referral community. But I do know folks over there who say that Substack is, as a result, quite easy to grow, that the referral networking is working well. Um, I think that the ConvertKit creator network is off to a really great start. I'm getting over 100 new subscribers a week, um, thanks to a couple of high profile colleagues who are referring me on the convert kit creator network. And I, like, that's better than I've gotten since Facebook ads, like in 2018. Right. And in this case, it's free. I'm not, I pay for convert kit every month, but I'm not paying for those leads and they're just kind of automatically coming in. But this is a place where personally, I'm really interested to explore more, to figure out how to find other people who are using the ConvertKit Creator Network who are a good match for my audience and, and share referrals. I think that is going to be really, really smart, probably very similarly to Substack. And I'm very stoked that ConvertKit rolled this out. It's obviously a direct Substack response. That's not, that's like not even a, a doubt, but it's been good for me so far. And it's exciting. It's exciting to actually see the audience grow so quickly and so passively. So affiliate strategies, these kind of networked referral strategies are really where I think we have the closest possibility to mimic some of that scale that we're going to be losing as social media continues to become less effective. Um, of course, there are also alternative communities, right? There are non-social media communities that have really grown out of 2020, that desire for deeper connection, um, and I think we need more and we need to be more engaged in alternative kind of cozy communities. Cozy web is a whole, a whole meme thing at the moment. Circle, which is a software that I use for my programs right now. Geneva, which is a kind of Discord-like app with a more local flavor to it. It's cute. Uh, Discord, uh, of course, and other closed containers, they're becoming more critical as those larger connection points deteriorate. It really reminds me of Facebook groups, especially like in the late 2010s, you show up, you be useful, you start conversations, you help other people. And through that kind of natural, like actual humaning, you do start to get um, connections, right? You do start to actually meet people. You do start to get referrals. And I think it's a little hard. I see people being less willing to do that kind of relationship building than I think they were before the hyper monetization of social media and the really expanded availability of online advertising. But that says that means it's a really great opportunity for people who are willing to put in that time to build those stronger relationships. Of course, uh, Facebook groups got really overrun and also hyper-monetized, and many of these closed alternative communities cost money, but I think that helps to reduce the sales spam really significantly. So, you know, a lot of you run these communities. I obviously run one called Think Tank. They're 
they're hard to get moving. And that's always going to be a problem. But I do think that if we spend more of our time inside those communities and less time on social media, of course, put some of that, put even a fraction of the effort into actually connecting with people and doing things like that, I think we're going to be in really good shape. I'm also going to throw a tip out here because I see a lot of folks having a hard time engaging in communities. If you're going to post something like a link, if you're going to ask a question or share something, provide some context and some of your own thoughts. Don't just post a link and say, Hey, I thought this was cool. That gives people no way to engage, right? Send something. You're like, Hey, I thought this was cool. My favorite part was X, Y, Z, or I learned this, or I want to try that. What do you think? I know it sounds kind of like a little formulaic, but nothing kills a conversation faster than posting like you're posting on Twitter, right? Cause that's not a conversation. So there's a, there's a difference between like kind of engagement mining and just posting shit. But in between there, it's like share things like, like genuine enthusiasm. If you were going to call up a friend or talk to your partner or, or something and you were like, oh my God, I read this thing. You would tell them what about it you liked, right? You would tell them the thing that stood out to you. Do that. Same with asking questions, right? Hey, I'm trying to figure this out. I've tried this, this, and this. Like let people, like, let people in a little bit. It takes more effort. It really does. Definitely more effort than shit posting on social media or whatever. But I think, I think ultimately it's worth it. I also think we need to learn how to be less passive and that the internet has really trained us to be very passive in our communication. So this is a great place to exercise that. Um, okay. Cold outreach is kind of the next thing that I think is really important to be focused on right now. Um, I know talking to strangers, pitching people you don't know, but in most industries, cold outreach is actually a key part of acquiring customers. Obviously things like, you know, terrible, like, Hey hun, MLM spam and email spam has made this less popular for online businesses, but it can still be, uh, respectful and effective. Um, it's not my strength, but, um, that's actually why I'm bringing a guest expert to teach the foundations of cold outreach for the end of social media into think tank in the end of July. So if you want to get on the wait list for think tank, you can go to thinktank.fyi, and, uh, we will give you the opportunity to join before that workshop, which is all about cold outreach. I think that cold outreach is important to recognize that if you're B2B, you might be able to actually reach out to businesses directly. If you're B2C, you're probably going to be pitching people like press opportunities, influencers, affiliate opportunities, things like that, um, which is still cold outreach, right? We can look at it through the same lens. You're trying to get people to know who you are and to do something with you or for you. So the skill is super critical. I cannot tell you how many bad pitches I get in my inbox on like a daily fucking basis. It just made me want to cry. So this workshop is going to help us to do that both for the B2B and the B2C lens, because this is the easiest way to go from somebody not knowing you to them knowing you, regardless of what they think about you. <laughs> of course, social media does still work, right? And I think it's really important for us to, to admit that, um, you know, standing out right now is a really different beast than it used to be. And the level of sophistication of the audience and the exhaustion of the audience means that it's just way less effective than it was. Um, you know, I think that it's important to know what, what you actually want to get out of it. 
what you're hoping to achieve, what you find enjoyable or useful yourself. For example, every time I see something coachy on Instagram, I just hate it. Like my whole body like tenses up. I'm like, I think a lot of the strategies that have been really effective are overworked now and the fake outrage and like the engagement farming is just so transparent, right? But I do think that there are things that I still enjoy on social media, right? I enjoy stories and reflections. I enjoy critique. I enjoy fun. Uh, So, you know, your customers aren't stupid. I think that the key to social media at this point is to not treat them like they are, right? Don't treat them like they're dumb. (laughs) Treat them like they know what they're doing. So the question is not really how to get customers without social media or without effective SEO or whatever. But I think ultimately the question, which is a tough one, is how to adjust to slower sales velocity and lower volume. And I don't think this is a conversation people want to have. I I think it's really hard to say, what are we going to do if you don't have access to the same number of customers or potential customers? But you know, there are always ways to find other customers, but they're all lower volume than what we've been dealing with you know, is your business able to weather that change? And if it's not, what are you going to do? How are you going to make these connections? You know, do you still need the kinds of numbers that require access to millions or billions of people? You know, and if so, then figuring out what other networks can even begin to approach those numbers is critical. And I come back to, right, networking and referrals, right? Doing events, making connections, doing things with people who have large existing audiences, Um, also real quick, just to, I said it being a little bit for myself, but I'll say it again, please, for the love of all that is holy in this world. If you don't have a mailing list going, focus on that. I've been talking about this the entire time that I've been teaching online and I still have people say to me, Oh, I haven't really focused there. Oh, I haven't really focused there. Please do not wait. If you have an online driven business at all, this has to be a focus. You have to be growing a mailing list. It is truly the only thing you own on the internet is that, is this list of fucking emails. This is like, it's old school in that way, right? It used to be a list of addresses or a phone numbers. Like your list of emails is it. So please do that. I also think that, you know, if you don't need hundreds or thousands of active customers at this time, then this is more simple and you can lean into it. You can take advantage of it. You can play around more with these different strategies. You can pull back from social media if you want. You can have fun on threads or ignore threads. Now there is no silver bullet here and I'm not going to pretend to have one in order to appear smart or like get money from you. (laughs) I really, I can't sit here and do the, how to use threads to get more customers or the five hacks that will maximize your Facebook ad budget. Like I just can't do that anymore because it's not, it's not true. Those things are, are dying. And the future of online marketing is being written right now. Truly no one knows what's next. Anyone who's saying they do is very much making projections and probably, you know, if it's like Mark Andreessen talking about AI, right? It's probably invested in those projections quite literally. Now, there is no easy way to disengage with online marketing. If you run an online business, it's going to be part of your business supply chain, whether you want it to be or not. Um, But I do think ultimately that the more future-proof activities are in connection, like the real human stuff, which is what social media was actually for initially, right? And blogs. Uh, There even was a time before SEO. (laughs) There was a time before Google search. And, you know, creating work to be shared that comes from this place of of creativity and less of a place of optimization. So this is what I'm thinking right now, right? These are these key pieces and having a new fake new social media platform launch is a great time to go through these reflections, to ask yourself, 
What am I willing to do? What am I not willing to do? And where is it time to cut my losses? Because the ROI on these activities is not what I need them to be to justify the amount of time that I'm putting into them. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I hope this is not too much of a <laughs> of a Debbie Downer episode, but especially with threads launching, I just, you know, again, I'm using it. I'm having fun on it. But I can't sit here and tell you that after being online for what, seven or eight years running a business entirely dependent on Instagram for, for customers and for leads, I can't sit here and tell you that the future is going to look the same because it's not. And threads might give us a brief reprieve. It might give us a period of time for different kinds of connections. There might be months or even years before it starts to go through what Cory Doctorow calls the inshittification process. Look it up. He's got a great essay about that that was cross-posted in Wired. He was talking specifically about TikTok, but about how all of these um, free, quote-unquote, free platforms go through this process of getting shittier. That process is essentially inherent to the business model. Threads is not going to get around that. (laughs) None of these models that are free in exchange for your data are going to get around that because they have to monetize at some point. It is requirement because they have people who have invested in them that are expecting it. These companies are not on your side, right? You are essentially a free laborer for those companies. You do free work for them all day, every day. Some of the things that we can do for this next push, this next little online space until we see what what emerges from the ether, what new things come, what new forms of online connection are developed, is to take a little bit of that back. Is to take maybe a bit of that time, maybe to take those relationships and get them on your mailing list. (laughs) And to carve out a little bit of space to do the work that you want to do. And if you're enjoying posting on social, great. This is definitely not supposed to be a shame thing. (laughs) Like, awesome if you're enjoying it, you're having a good time. Fuck yeah. If you're off of social, great. I'm super happy for you. Enjoy your freedom. But for those of us in between, the ambivalent among us, (laughs) maybe it's time to do a little less free labor and a little bit more deep relationship building. Thanks for listening to Think Peace. You can read the newsletter, join the community, and learn how to work with me at thinkpeace.fyi. I'll see you next time.